G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It has to be the greatest motivator of all. And in today's program, we're going to see it motivate all of us to do the right thing. It's called God's Love. Our series is entitled Heartfelt and Inspired. Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We're going to learn about God's love. I often call it the most wonderful force in the universe, because it can do what nothing else can. The most famous verse in the whole Bible talks about God's love, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. In our passage, 2 Corinthians 5, 12 to 15, we're going to learn about the love of Christ and how the love of Christ does wonders in bringing healing, light, life, every good and perfect gift. The epistle of 2 Corinthians is actually very much laden with sound doctrine and practical application for victorious Christian living, even though it's a little bit what I would call autobiographical about the Apostle Paul. Here, he opens his heart and he talks very personally and at times emotionally about where he's at. And the key verse I want to give to you here is from verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us That means God's love is so great, we have no choice but to do what it mandates us to do. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The love of God compels us to repent of our sinful, failing, sputtering lives and habits, and actions, and thoughts. The love of Christ compels us to believe in the glorious gospel of Jesus. And the gospel is so simple. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-5, Christ died, was buried, and rose again, according to the scriptures, for our sins, for our justification. And if you will repent and receive this free gift, you have forgiveness of sins, and the gift of eternal life. That really is the gospel in a nutshell. And the love of Christ constrains us to accept this gospel and run with it. So again, our passage is 2 Corinthians 5, 12 to 15. And Paul says, we're no longer going to be commending ourselves or vindicating ourselves to a handful of disgruntled 
people with a bad attitude there in the church at Corinth. But at the same time, if we appear to be crazy or unusual, all of this is done for the glory of God. If we appear to be sound-minded, wise, and instructive, that is for the sake of all saints. So in all cases, it's a win-win for God. It's a win-win for believers. And everything the apostles do for God, preaching, teaching, devotion, discipling, they don't do it to fulfill a religious requirement or to earn brownie points with the Almighty. Everything they do is motivated by the love of Christ. And that's how we should be two friends, church attendance, prayer and devotion, witnessing, preaching, humble, practical service, or whatever it is. We don't do it to be religious. We do it because of the love of God and of the fear of God. And therefore, because of the love of Christ, we are compelled to live for God. Because now we live for Christ, we don't and should not be free to do whatever we want, but what he wants. And then Paul goes on finally to say that we're not going to know anyone or regard anyone according to the flesh, what they are visibly. Ultimately, we're going to regard people by their character and their relationship with the Lord. We're going to now read that entire passage from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 12 to 15. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 12 to 15. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance, and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then were all dead." and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth we know, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. This is Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12. To 15. So verse 12, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in the heart. So this epistle in part is about Paul's vindication against some renegade, recalcitrant, and ratty minority opposition there at the church in Corinth. He has to explain himself to the penitent majority as well as to the recalcitrant minority. Here, however, he says he will not commend himself again to them. The Corinthians, having been sufficiently briefed on who Paul is, will have the opportunity to do the commending on his behalf. It's always better, by the way, and Proverbs teaches us this, that somebody else commend you or praise you or recommend you or brag upon you rather than you doing it for yourself. It's very obnoxious when we do it on our own behalf. Hopefully, they will have an answer. The Corinthian penitent majority to them that are what I call attitudinally challenged. And that's a euphemism. It means people whose attitude stinks. Their boast is to be in appearance and not in heart, or that's the bad people. They boast in appearance and not in heart. In other words, they are hypocrites because that's what hypocrites do. They focus on the outward, but they don't change the inward. And the inward are is far worse 
than the outward. In fact, the inward is the opposite to the outward. The hypocrites, especially Pharisees, Sadducees, had the appearance of godliness and righteousness, but inwardly they were full of greed, love of money, hatred. We know they're full of hatred because they sought to destroy Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, when you're trying to kill somebody because they irritate you, that is not God. That is of the devil. And Jesus was right in John 8 to say, you are of your father, the devil. Why do you seek to kill me? Verse 13, it tells us, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. So if the apostles give the appearance of being crazy, unusual, eccentric, mad, or definitely walking on a different pathway to everyone else. All that these apostles do is done for the love of God. And if they act wise, of sound mind, balanced, instructive, faithful, and fruitful, who is it for? It is for the sake of the saints. Not just the saints at Corinth in the first century, but for all saints in all centuries. And that includes us in the 21st century. Paul's legacy is amazing. I personally think, and it's not an exaggeration, that after Jesus himself, Paul is the most influential person who ever lived. Every day, his legacy is paying rich dividends, not only for the churches he planted in his day, but for the scriptures that he wrote that are influencing the church for all time. So, no matter what, the saints and the glory of God win because of the activities of the apostles. They were not perfect, nobody is, but whatever they did, they did with all their heart, they did for the glory of God, and there's no question their reward will be very, very great. Now we come to the key verse of today's lesson. It's talking about the love of Christ. And we'll go to actually the two verses, 14 and 15, and it says this, for the love of Christ compels us Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. All right? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. The love of Christ. Now, all things, as I said earlier, that the apostles did, was not in order to be religious or to earn credit with God. Instead, everything they did... They did because of God's love. God's love was poured into them, and so much was poured into them that from the overflow of God's love in their lives, they went forth to bless others. Remember that wonderful verse in the 23rd Psalm, the Shepherd's Psalm. It says, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Psalm 23, verse 5. That sounds like, to me, the baptism in the Holy Spirit anointing our head with oil, and we are so filled with the Holy Spirit that from the overflow, we minister to others. Now, what caused this giving of this wonderful, priceless gift of salvation and of the Holy Spirit to the church? Well, it's the love of God. We didn't earn any of it. And if we worked a million years, we could never earn it. We could never pay for it. These gifts are priceless, salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. God just freely and mercifully gave us these gifts by grace through faith. The grace of God makes it available for everyone, but it's by faith that believers tap into the grace. The grace of God, meaning salvation and the gift of the Spirit, is now downloaded to these believers, again, by faith. How did it all begin? 
the genesis was the love of Christ. So everything we do is from the love of Christ. It was the motivation of the apostles. It should be our motivation too. So as I said, whether it's your church attendance, your devotional walk with God, witnessing, preaching, high-profile ministry, or humble practical service, everything, and I mean everything, should be done for the love of Christ. I think one of the great epitaphs that was, or an epitaph commendations is a better term, that was given to me by one of my family members is not only applied to me, but also to my wife, that they said publicly, and it's the first time I ever heard it from them is when I heard it in public, not in private, that they have only known this couple, my wife and I, as people who love God and people who love to serve God. And they said, that's the only thing we've known about these people. Now, as you know, I don't really share too much about myself, and certainly not in a commendatory way, but it's simply, I thought that was the most wonderful thing that could be paid to me. They've known us as people who love God and love to serve God. Well, how did we learn to love God and love to serve God? Well, the answer is very simple. God loved us first. God showered us with love, with grace, with blessing, with favor. We didn't earn any of this. God just gave it. And we said, yes, we'll receive it. We'll sign for the parcel. And no regrets that we went this course. I see people who have chosen to live for the world and not one of them, I envy. And I don't say this to put anyone down. I'm saying the fact is, despite the outward exterior of pleasure and success, inside there are failing broken lives that desperately need to receive the love of God. We're no better than anybody. We just simply said yes when God called. Yes to his love, yes to his gospel, yes to the Holy Spirit, yes to Christian service. And by the way, friends, don't even attempt Christian service without the Holy Spirit. Let him be your senior partner and be a very compliant junior partner. The love of Christ compels us. After all, he loved us first and he loved us to the full. Out of this love, the apostles judged that since one died for all, namely Christ, then all we who are in Christ have died to self and the world, so we can be alive to God. And verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 5, Christ died for all, and we die for him. So now we die for Christ, or are dead in Christ. We no longer are free to do what we want, when we want. Instead, we live for the one who died and rose for us. That's what Christian discipleship is about. Self-denial, cross-bearing, following Jesus, obeying Jesus, and walking in the Spirit. This is a God-honoring life. And don't believe the devil's lie, which tells you that if you live for God, God's going to boss you around, you're going to be poor and miserable, popular, and you'll never enjoy life. But if you live for self, you'll have all the pleasures and all the acclaim. Don't believe it. It's a lie. When you live for God, you get God's best in this life and promise of life in the world to come. Live for self or seek to save your life, as Jesus said, you lose everything. Ask people who've repented. They will tell you that's exactly the case. So this leads me to the final verse for this lesson, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. And even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet now we know him thus no longer. This verse 
is really important, but not always easy to understand. First of all, we are not going to look at ourselves or others after the flesh or according to the flesh. We don't or should not regard people for who they are outwardly. Their race, their color, their gender, their size, their ethnic background, any of these things is not how we're to know, judge, or deal with people. Instead, as those who are born and baptized in the Spirit, we need to know people after the Spirit. You see, we knew Jesus in his earthly manifestation, but now we don't know him as the itinerant preacher from Galilee. He is the Son of God. He is the Redeemer. He is at God's right hand, reigning in glory, and he is the soon coming King. We need to know people after the Spirit. Remember, when Samuel came to Bethlehem to anoint one of the eight sons of Jesse as king of Israel, the good-looking older sons were first paraded. They were well-built. They were toned. They were trained. They were ready for action. God rejected them. Remember what Samuel told to Jesse? God has rejected them because man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. When you say yes to the love of God, the gospel of Jesus, Christian maturity, gift of the Holy Spirit, you also have this Holy Spirit x-ray vision. Don't pay attention to outward appearances. Don't be shallow, because that's what most of us are when we're still in the flesh. Remember, God knows the heart. Under that rough exterior is a great preacher, a great servant of God, a great missionary under that exterior in the heart. Know them after the heart and God will show you. You don't have to do anything. The Holy Spirit will certainly lead the way. So our lesson is entitled for the love of Christ. And our lesson for life is the love of Christ, the most wonderful force in the world, will cause you to die, live, and serve to the glory of God. I'll repeat that. Lesson for life, the love of Christ, which is the most wonderful force in the world, will cause you to die, live, and serve to the glory of God. Please visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. And go to our homepage where you can subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles from the Word of God, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you in Jesus' name. For the love of Christ, which passes all understanding, help us to see that when we connect to the love of Christ, the most wonderful force in the world, we can live a new life, better life, a victorious life, fruitful life, and eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.